Support for the sponsor pod and the following message come from sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey guys, this is Jason. Welcome to episode number three of the Sponsor Pod featuring Quinn Dietline with the Health Center Theater in Sandy, Utah. Now, Quinn wouldn't classify himself as a sponsorship executive, but I really wanted to have him on the show because a few years ago, he was able to successfully lead the theater to new heights, moving their previously small theater in West Salt Lake City to a brand new, beautiful $82 million facility with a strong capital campaign, including a strategic sponsorship plan. We'll also talk about the effects COVID-19 is having on their business and their sponsor relationships. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. walk around uh, the loops at at at, a, at any giving sporting event and I would I would write down all the names of these companies and think good heavens like none of these people are giving and in my and and it, it it's it's it should not be an epiphany but it was more of a, of a harder realization how can we become true partners with these corporate uh, corporate people who who for whatever reason are giving all sorts of money to a sports organization why can't the arts do something similar? Sponsor Pod, a show about sponsorship leaders and their experiences, stories, and how they see the ever-changing world of sponsorships. I'm Jason Smith, and on the show today, we're going to hear from Quinn Dietline, Executive Director of the Hale Center Theater in Sandy, Utah. As we adhere to social distancing due to COVID-19, I connected with Quinn over the phone to hear about his sponsorship journey. Um, my parents... Um co-founded the theater which when, when I say my parents that means that nepotism is alive and well at Health Center Theater and today I'm the executive director so take that <laughs> work um, but uh, you know we started the my, my great-grandparents started the theater in, in Southern California close to 70 years ago retired back to Salt Lake City I kept that sold, sold that theater to some of their kids retired back to Salt Lake City 35 years ago got sick and tired and bored and called my parents and um, who my dad is their grandson and asked if they would wanted to start a theater with them in Salt Lake City. Um, my parents were eager to do that. Uh, and so we, we bought what looked like kind of an X-rated uh, movie movie joint down in South Salt Lake. And, and what it was was an old old lingerie factory. And it's a little sketchy. What's that? It was a little sketchy. Yeah, it was super sketchy. In fact, the mayor of South Salt Lake was wondering what type of business we were actually going to run. <laughs> that, that, that people from Los Angeles were coming to open up a theater in South Salt Lake. But 
as it had been uh, an area where there was lots of sewing for this fine, uh, very lacy lingerie that was being being done there. There were a bunch of outlets in the ceiling, which which in our view was was perfect. And at the time, I was six years old, so you can do the math. Um, and w- which is why I share the same hairline as Jason Smith. Many of you uh, <laughs> just listening won't be able to appreciate that, but but we were able to plug in a bunch of lights into the ceiling then, and that was a, a quick a quick way to light the stage. Um, we would pull out a ghetto blaster, and we had some other um, amplified speakers, and we would hold a mic up to the ghetto blaster at times to to play the music. We had buckets out, Home Depot buckets out, uh, anytime there was a rainstorm because we had drips there uh, as, the, as the rainstorm went on and there were enough seats uh, for better or for worse where we could just shuffle people to the to the left or the right so that we could catch the, the water during the show did you literally um, have like buckets out in like I'm the not, stairways i'm not making any of this up and, <laughs> and and then and then even for about for about six months uh we lived there so we would do a show um, and then, uh, and then when the actors would leave, we'd pull the mattress out from behind the couch in, in the small green room. And, uh, we had a microwave and a fridge and we would roll over the, the little TV on the stand and we would watch MASH, uh, the old MASH TV show every night. So was your bedroom kind of like up in the attic or in the basement or something of this theater or what? Like there, there is no bedroom. Your living room was the lobby essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of wherever it took us. But we, we'd have root beer floats because we did have root beer back then. And so it was endless, endless root beer floats. I and, love that. And mash every night with the family. And as, as the years have gone along, we've grown. Um, uh, we, we ended up moving into West Valley City uh, with a partnership with them. Uh, we became a nonprofit organization at the time. And at that time, we were really playing more of the kind of the traditional philanthropic game versus, versus uh, more of a sport model where uh, – partnerships um, were far more prevalent as they are today. Uh, we, we were in Saudi, uh, West Valley City for about nine, 19 years, and then we, we, we continued to expand and needed to expand into more seats, and as such, our board of trustees, as, we're, as we are a nonprofit, uh, recommended we expand our search uh, beyond just where we were, and and in that process, then that's where you and you and I, Jason, started talking. We'll get into that in a little bit, probably. But, but today, uh, pre-COVID nineteen, I should say, COVID is is the nightmare. It's it's the partnership that none of us want, and all of us have. Uh, and, may, and may I add that that Quinn and I live super close to each other, but we are practicing social distancing today and and doing this via uh, video right now, right? Correct, and we're yeah. such large human beings that practicing home, um, uh, social distancing can be a challenge. Oh, big time. Um, so uh, anyhow, um, this last year was wonderful. The, the theater is incredibly well uh, uh, supported by the community. We had 577,000 patrons who came through the theater. Um, we have uh, 29,000 season ticket holders. So it's, it is a going concern. It's been very, very well received by the community. We operate two theaters, uh, a, a smaller proscenium theater, and then a theater in the round for which we're most well known inside of the Mountain America Performing Arts Center. So that was a major partnership that, that I was able to be a part of. And so was Jason as, as we've grown this thing. But yeah, it's, and, and, and today uh, we've got uh, a lot of people who are helping to support. And I'm sure that Jason will ask some questions about that, but yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And, and we're, <laughs> 
where you're at today. I mean, I mean, you've got your family involved, your dad and, and mom are part of it. And even your brother's part of it today. T tell us a little bit about that family dynamic. It's fun. Um, again, it was dinner table conversation. I don't think unlike very many entrepreneurial stories anywhere, um, your, your best education is, is over dinner when we had it. Uh, again, my dad, most of my growing up until I was 16 or 17 worked two full-time jobs. So we didn't really have a whole lot of dinners uh, with my dad per se. And then he was tied into ecclesiastical service deals where when, when maybe I would have had the opportunity to see him, he was off trying to, trying to follow his, 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 uh, his desire to, to serve in that way. And so, so, but in any of those conversations, every, every family vacation is, is, is chat about theater to the point that my mom wants to pull her hair out and punch us in the teeth, but then she has nothing better to talk about either. And, and every time we get a new grandchild, that changes the conversation for a minute, but it's, it, it, it quickly veers back to something that we are super passionate about. And, and that is casting for the show and, and how a certain set is being built and how are we going to market for the show and is the, is the, is the product appropriate for our, for our uh, market, those types of things. It what's, is a, it's, what's it's the a difference role, roles that your, that your parents play at the theater? Good question. My mom uh, heads up a lot of the artistic conversation. She has a lot of good relationships with the people in, in New York who own properties for a lot of these shows. Um, and does a lot of the writing on, on the PR and marketing sides of things. My dad, uh, I mentioned that he had worked on other businesses. He was an exec with Cellular One that was sold to AT&T ultimately. Uh, is AT&T or T-Mobile? Uh, one of the early, early cell phone uh, um, uh, companies in Salt Lake City. He also worked for Xerox and, and just had the opportunity to gain lots of executive leadership um, skills that way. So he, he is the CEO of the theater and also grew up doing theater in Los Angeles, which was the connection there with Ruth and Nathan Howell initially. Uh, I, I, I work primarily in partnerships and a lot of strategy um, that we deal with with the theater. And then my brother uh, had a career uh, on Broadway in New York and with Disney Worldwide and, and decided that, that all of that is great, but a patch of grass and a little toddler uh, is, is more fun. And so he's able to get his artistic bent also working with meetings and partnerships at the theater, as well as working more on the production side of things. That's awesome. And are there any other family members involved besides mom, dad, brother? Um, not really. Yeah. Most, uh, I don't know yeah. if you had some that were part of the, the product, the productions at all. Um, no, no, no. I, well, here and there, I mean, my, my, my own family, we, we have the opportunity to be on the stage and, and that kind of thing. My wife, my kids, it's cool. My kids are sixth generation. And there are so many other stories about that, but that's not what this podcast is about. But no, we're going to, we're going to go back a little bit. Um, you went to a, a private school growing up. Is that right? Waterford? Yes. To their dismay. Like tell me why, why Waterford other than like public school? Um, the, the, the primary reason to tell you the truth initially was my younger sister, uh, was more influenced by, uh, anything and, and her friends were, were, uh, not as supportive as my parents would have liked. And so they looked at a private school 
they didn't want her to have to go alone. So they sent me along with them. And was it an arts school? Is that an art school? No. Okay. Although they have a far, they have actually a fantastic arts program now that a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of colleges would be envious of, but they, like we, um, over these, all these years have, have grown, um, significantly. Um, I do remember when I told them that I, I wanted to go into music, that there was, unfortunately, my advisor at the time wanted to roll their eyes. They were much more interested in placing people into M- M- MIT and, and Stanford and in, in science and technology and those things. And they were interested at the time in, in me wanting to run theater. Yeah. I, I would say that has changed today based on the, the focus of, of tours that I've done at the school and things like that. Yeah. And you went to, and, and you went to Utah state and, and, um, and you did do some arts there though. Is that where, I mean, you, you had the theater in your life, but it was coming out of high school out of Waterford. Did you feel like you were going to work with the theater at that point? I mean, you did get an arts degree and a business degree um, together there, but tell me a little bit about those decisions in your life coming out. So nothing was a given. As soon as we uh, made the theater a nonprofit organization, it then is run technically by the board of trustees. They trust the people that are running the business because it has run well over all these years. And, and we have a, a stellar board that, that guides those things. But so I, I did my undergrad in music. I had a full scholarship on, on singing. Um, and then I, like, like you mentioned, I did an MBA after that because I was so petrified that I would not have. Let's hear a little, a little bit of that voice. Um, right here, right I here, think, right now. I think, I think it would break your heart and probably diminish any any listenership that you have <laughs> so, so dutifully cobbled together up until this point. Oh, we'll get um, a little. We'll get a little bit in here. Uh, we have a little treat. We'll have a little treat coming up in the podcast. So, so yeah, just um, I, I wanted the business end because in my mind's eye, uh, I, I would would have always wanted the opportunity to work at the theater, but. Something that my dad did, as, as mentioned, is he was working with other organizations. He never wanted to hire um, any anybody with a deep line name on unless they had had a career elsewhere. And so I went and worked with Flying J, which is uh, which is a company that, that has truck stops all over the nation, and they played with oil as well and those types of things, and banking and insurance. And I was on the banking and insurance side. I did that for about five years and traveled all over the nation and. Banking yeah. and insurance with a with a convenience store chain. T- tell me about that. I don't. I, how did so, that how that work? They have what's called an industrial bank, uh, transportation alliance bank. There is a massive. So it was a separate entity to to them, or was it just a sister company? The bank was all under Flying J's um, umbrella. Okay. Of however many sister companies they had, they 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 liked to be super vertically integrated and owning everything along the way and. And as we hear about today, everyone's praising the trucking industry because they're out delivering all these types of things. But once you move into that industry, you realize it's like it's like when Harry Potter went back into that that one realm and knocked on a wall and it opened up and there was a completely separate world of, of, of creatures and beings and whatnot. And those people may as well just be in the transportation industry. It's their own world. It's their own people. And as such, they don't have really good options for uh, banking relationships, for some health insurance relationships, different things like that. And that's where Flying J saw an opportunity. And so I, I, I hopped in there and I sold debit cards, uh, factoring types of deals. I, I sold health insurance to 600 pound diabetics. I, I did all, all that kind of stuff um, in, 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 
in uh, truck stops all over the nation. And so you did that for about five years. What, I mean, did, did you enjoy it? Was it something that you could have seen yourself doing long-term being with the company or was there always kind of this desire to come back to the arts? I loved it. I was very fortunate in that I was able to, at the end of it, I was managing about 50 to 60 people um, in, in their sales and, and that kind of a thing. And I, I, I would not have received an opportunity with very many other companies, I don't think, where I was able to learn HR policy nationwide. I was able to work in hiring and firing nationwide. All these things that a, that a young upstart typically would not have the opportunity um, I was given that opportunity at, at Flying J, and so I was always appreciative for that. Um, probably, helped, I, probably helped with your with with some of your business, some business experience, right? That you need now in the theater, kind of understanding some of those things. That did it? Did you learn a little bit there that kind of carries over? I continue to lean on the leadership that I had there. Some of the things that they talked about, and and the the idea that it was already such a much larger organization that had to follow corporate procedure uh, moving into a company that now, you know, we're, we're, we have 70 full-timers, 200 regular part-timers uh, and about uh, 400 actor positions that are 1099ers every year. But just understanding how, how a, a system, a much larger system operates. One, it gave me that knowledge. Two, it gave me confidence in myself that I wasn't hired onto the theater because I was a D-line. Um, and that I, that I had a career that I could go out and pay for college myself, that I could go out and manage people myself without that name. And, and there, there have been times in the, in the 12 years now that I've been at the theater where I've had to lean on, on the, the history that I was able to build independent of my last name. And so what, what made you decide to go back to the theater? Did you have a conversation with your parents about that? And I mean, you've been there now 11 years since almost 12 almost, almost 12. 12 almost 12 yeah. years yeah um since leaving flying j and and being with with the theater full time um what what was the draw coming back was it the family was it was there what type of discussions were taking place to get you back so my my computer passwords up to that point had, had always uh, circled around something that i wanted in the future and that was to be back at the theater um, I, I, it's always been on. Now we know mind. how to get into your bank account. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. unfortunately it's, it's going to be the biggest disappointment when you, when you finally crack the code. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, um, it was, it's always been on my mind. Obviously I got my degree in, in music, uh, on full scholarship. Um, and, and, and so I, I have this, this art in, in the trucking industry, they say that you've got oil in your blood. And that, that's how, what keeps you on the road uh, this whole time. Uh, for me, I think I have still some of that flowing root beer. It flowed from the living room. Yes. And, and the nibs that I would pick up off the floor as, as patrons would leave the theater. I would clean up their Snickers and popcorn and, and eat half of that. And so all of that still courses in my veins. And, <laughs> and the opportunity to do something that makes people happy, that you can be passionate and proud of, and to work with a group of people that again in their own little world are wonderful it's 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 something that i would have always wanted and have always wanted and i'm, I'm to this day even though our our theater is shuttered due to covid right now it's something that i'm immensely grateful for 
Awesome. Now, one thing I love, I love that you do with your wife and even your kids too, is you have a band and you travel all over the place to, to tell the listeners a little bit about what the band does when you travel, how far away do you travel away from Utah in Utah? What are you singing? Why did you decide to do it? Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So when I was in college, uh, randomly, I, I, I ended up in, in sharing, sharing a room with, with other guys who enjoyed making music. And that was not with intent. I think that was divine or the opposite intervention that brought us all together, but it's brought us a lot of joy over the years. My wife thought we were super hot, uh, while we would be playing with the band and, <laughs> and, 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 and I thought she was super hot too, but she was dating some other guy and I, and I did not want to waste my time. Uh, and so I, I, one, one time after a concert, she came up and said, good job, just trying to be nice. And I mentioned to her that uh, I'm next in line if, if things didn't work out with whoever she was dating. And like you said that I'm next in line. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only <laughs> just like that. Yeah. It's the only pickup line that I've ever really, really used and it worked. And I can't tell you all the reasons that her relationship didn't work. Um, but uh, for better or for worse for her, uh, we've ended up together and, and she ended up jumping in this, in this group with us. She's a talented singer. And yeah, we've, we've, we've played now in 35 different states, which is cool. And when I say 35 different states, frankly, most of what we end up performing for it, it's corporate event type of stuff. And oftentimes it's in little podunk towns um, that are, that are holding a, a small hospital. They have a hospital meeting there or an insurance agency or, or um, trucking associations, all these different types of things. And what's the name of the band? Uh, that group is called Party Rock Project. Uh, it initially it was local grown in college when we did independent stuff that now nobody cares at all about. Uh, and then Party Rock Project comes around and we ended up ended up doing that and, and we we really just became corporate trained monkeys. Uh, and that is we play every single song that you want to hear. It's like a radio dial on eighty eight with someone with ADHD and charts <laughs> And we play games with folks. And so it's it's so much more about corporate entertainment and having a good time with people. And then for me, it's a cheap date night because uh, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? We, we do the show. I have a headache afterwards, so I get a bad bill. And then there's really only three of us that generally travel with back with backtracks. And so my wife and I get to share a hotel room. And then our the, the other guy just ends up wherever he is. Uh, and we, we see each other in the morning again. So it's it's been a lot of fun. We, we play in a family band now uh, called Waiting for James. Um, in addition to Party Rock Project, uh, and that's just my family, and it's a talented, talented group of little schmucks. And again, we can, in, instead of instead of, we still get plenty of Netflix in, but it but it gives us time to sit there and make music together, which is fun. Well, let's hear a little piece. Hi, everybody. We are waiting for James. Hope this brightens your day. One, two, three, four.
When we come back, how Quinn and his team built a strategic capital campaign to build their theater through corporate sponsorships and foundational support. We'll also chat about how COVID-19 is affecting his business. Stay with us. This is Jason Smith, and you're listening to The Sponsor Pod. Support for The Sponsor Pod and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey, welcome back to the Sponsor Pod. I'm Jason Smith. So Quinn and family decide to move their small theater in West Salt Lake and build an $82 million facility in Sandy, Utah, which begins their capital campaign. Like we talked about, I know sponsorships are not necessarily your your forte, but you moved this theater to an $82 million facility. And and with that, you were able to to put together a capital campaign and the capital campaign included a corporate sponsorship support as part of that. In Absolutely. addition to foundational support as well too, right? And so this is why I really wanted to have, have you on the pod today. I mean, you have a fun, fun story that we just learned about, but, but I really want to talk about that integration of a capital campaign um, with, with the sponsorships and, and, and sponsorships are an important role when you, when you're looking at, at, at doing this. But first of all, why, why did you feel like you needed to move from West Valley to Sandy and build this $82 million facility, which is absolutely beautiful. And if you want to check out the theater, go to um, hct.org and you can, you can check out this, this facility It's beautiful. But why, why did you feel like you needed to, to make that move? Good question. We were at the end of our lease in the theater that we had built in West Valley City. That theater um, held at its, at its um, after a couple expansions, it held close to 600 seats. Our expenses were continuing to rise with everything else in, in life, and our revenues were, were tightly bound to 615 seats. And so uh, we, we needed to expand. The initial idea was we were going to build another theater on that location, so we'd have two theaters running there. Um, but then, as, as mentioned, the, the Board of Trustees asked that we broaden the scope and, and look at other opportunities. We did so. In this theater, then, we were able to build a theater with 915 seats and another theater with 470 seats. And having that, the, that extra inventory, uh, where last year we did 787 performances, all of which were sold out, um, is, a, is a serious uh, uh, revenue opportunity that has, um, you know, pre, I'm sorry, everything pre-COVID-19 was just really has, has really benefited the theater both now and the opportunity for us to impact the community for many years down the road, far, far more so than we would have been able to in West Valley. And did you have a feasibility study done before you, before you did it? Well, we sat down at dinner and we're like, what do you think? <laughs> You're like, what do you think over some, over some steak and potatoes? Yeah. 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 It was uh, usually a tater tot surprise, um, yeah. whatever, whatever happened to be there, but but yes, we, we worked with a, with a firm in, in Farmington called Thomas Arts, and uh, they did the feasibility study. They looked at all those different things, how many people would be willing to go, what price point, all those different things. And that did help 
direct a lot of the conversation. That's great. And so what was your process as you created that capital campaign? Was it, you, you started there with a feasibility study and then, um, so in terms how, of, the, how did you put together this, this plan? In terms of the process, uh, as mentioned, we were at the end of our lease and uh, we, over time, had acquired an incredible board of trustees. For those of you who are not familiar with that, it's different from a board of directors and a for-profit type of a situation. Yeah, t- tell, tell us about the difference of that, a board um, of trustees. The, the, the trustees have a fiduciary responsibility, not unlike a for-profit yeah. gig, um, but they're not paid. They're all there for service. Uh, the theater's what the tax status is a 501c3, uh, maybe like a children's hospital in your area where you can donate to that. You can also donate to the theater. So these people, then they, this, this board, then as a service, they're not paid. They come and they help direct uh, choices and whatnot um, at, at, at the theater. And, and, and so over time, we had developed a great group of leaders across the community that, uh, that would also, once, once we finally made this move, we were at the end of, of, our, of our lease in West Valley City. And you asked about our strategy and our plan and whatnot. And my dad, uh, uh, who was also the CEO still at the time, um, is today. But he, he likened it unto uh, jumping off a cliff and building our wings on the way down. It was yeah. that. It was that detailed as we, as we built it out. And it was really leaning on a lot of those relationships that we had built over 20 years and over the 10 years previous to that in, in South Salt Lake. Um, And relationships are so important with this type of thing. I mean, there's no, there's, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb that there was no way you'd been able to do this without the longevity that you had to be able to, of the relationships that you'd built within the community. It's not going out on a limb. That's what it is. Yeah. And the relationships are also there because your product is excellent. Yeah. Um, our product has been very, very well received over the years such that it's a crown people, jewel in the community for sure. It is. Yeah. And, um, and so, and so the, the combination of continuing to do good work and, and continuing to work in concert with people across the community who want to make the community a better place. How did you work with the city, Sandy City specifically? Slowly. The, slowly. Yes. Government entity. Slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And and they were as fast as anybody um, in, in terms of a of a government entity being able to work. But but uh, we in inside of about 18 months, we uh, we negotiated this a bond with Sandy City. That bond was $42.7 million uh, at a 2 point, I want to say 75% interest rate. So pretty cheap money for 42, for $43 million. The balance of that 82 million, the, the Delta there um, was us hustling for 18 months and pulling together that money to pay off the construction. So in eight, inside of 18 months, partnerships with folks like Mountain America, with traditional, uh, philanthropic folks with corporations with um uh some public money uh as well uh county county money no state money that's that's where we pulled together that 38 million dollar balance which which actually leads me into my next question on how did the sponsorships versus some of this foundation money uh some of that support play a part in building building that i mean how did you kind of balance uh, the sponsorship side versus the foundation side. Cause 
the the two are totally different, right? I mean, you've got sponsorships when you're talking to a corporation, they're going to say, Hey, well, what type of return on investment am I going to get out of this? Right? I mean, what, what it's a marketing play. Like how, how is this going to benefit the organization and on the foundational support? Um, a lot of times it's, it's relationship based. There's a passion maybe around the arts. Um, and they want to see it succeed. And so really, really rich people give you a lot of money, right? To, to help with it because they're passionate about that. So how did you balance those and, and, and uh, sponsorship versus foundation, foundational support? Good question. Um, at its core, and this is what I would want anyone to hear. You mentioned there are people that are in this world that are listening to this podcast and that kind of a thing. I actually don't look at it as someone who's looking at an ROI uh, so uh, then this is, this is my personal view. Um, a corporation give, has given to us because they believe in what we do. That's it. Uh, for me to promise an ROI off of anything I think is foolhardy and deals with so many assumptions that I will leave for other people to figure out. Um, we do have a lot of people that come, we have ardent supporters and, and those types of things. But, but, um, Without, without going into names on corporations and foundations, it's the people at the top that look at, at the impact on the community. And, and yes, you can come and you can wine and dine people and you can, you can build those relationships and have some special, special networking opportunities and things like that. But to the tune of millions of dollars, in my mind, it really comes down to a community coming together and and growing together and, and enjoying life together and, and these, these types of things. And so how did you build, how did you build the sponsorships? Cause it, cause they are different a little bit from your, they're, they're similar, but they're, they're different from, from your foundational support. Um, you know, like your mountain Americas or young livings, um, those types of, of supporters. What, yeah, what, I, what, how, how did, how did you build your capital campaign? for sponsorships specifically? So the corporate side clearly is going to have um, a, a need. They have to justify to their board of directors and, and, and their team that there is a financial case that can be made for this. Because they, ha they, they have to have, whether, whether it's good-hearted and the right thing to do, right? There, there is a little bit of that, e even though on your side, maybe it's not something for you to worry about, but it is for them, right? Um, and I feel like you guys have done a, a pretty good job of this, but putting together that, those sponsorship, you know, packages as part of the capital campaign. Um, how did you structure that? So in the arts, for, for those who really might be thinking of doing a capital campaign, how, how did yeah. you structure this? Yeah. In the arts, it's an interesting world. And in the nonprofit world in, in period, there's, there's been this classical method for years and years that people only, they, they give, and they walk away and they take their tax credit and they've built community. Um, and, and I, that, that's a model that was, that has been prevalent forever since the Medici's back in the day. Um, and, and I looked at, I, I sat down with my buddy who, um, whose dad uh, was in the hundred club with Utah jazz and the hundred club started at the very, very beginning of the Utah jazz as they were starting trying to find ways to finance a team coming into Salt Lake City. And the 100 Club, you can't get into. It's, it's, it is real estate. And, 
And uh, the idea there was rights and privileges was the thing that he impressed upon me. And, and up until that point, it was simply, well, we are, we're a community, uh, the, the theater is, is a community good and therefore people should just simply give. And, and, and then I looked at, I, I'd walk around uh, the loops at, 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 a, at any giving sporting event and I would, I would write down all the names of these companies and think, good heavens, like none of these people are giving and, and, my, and, and it, it, it's, it's, it should not be an epiphany, but it was more of a, of a harder realization. How can we become true partners with these corporate, uh, corporate people who, who, for whatever reason, are giving all sorts of money to a sports organization? Why can't the arts do something similar? And so I, I really, I, I looked at various sporting clubs that are out there in terms of advertising packages, in terms of ticketing packages, in terms of naming right packages, um, and, and, then, and then levied that along with the quality of the product that we, that we have in the theater and said, I think that we can entertain people in, in a way that they can achieve some of those same benefits that they would get out of a, out of a sporting event as well. And today um, we have a club called the Founders Club, which does give you themed meals to the shows and we'll do an annual trip uh, with people to London or to New York and see a bunch of shows and it, and it has advertising packages and, and, and we have now 203 memberships. I plan on capping it at, at, at uh, 300 memberships, but that, that brings in an annual, annual get of uh, about right now, about two and a half million dollars. Um, and, you know, uh, another third again when, when we grow that out. But that's, that's an, a very important revenue source. And, and in the sports world, two and a half million dollars is, is chump change. Uh, so the, is, that your, is, is that your current, is that your current model today is the whole founders club in addition mm -hmm. to some, some advertising assets getting in on the, on the hospitality side and then looping in some, some branding opportunities or some advertising opportunities? Yeah. And then on top of that, there's public giving that we receive okay. and other, other larger foundation giving to is the, the to capital the, campaign over or is it, is it still ongoing? It's over on, on, in terms of numbers and the way, the way I represent, uh, I wish you guys could have seen how, how Quinn looked at me when he said it's over, right? <laughs> it was almost like a mic drop moment. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's over. No, you, you, <laughs> if, if somebody wants to name, a urinal in our toilet. I am up for. I am up for <laughs> and that that would be built toward that that capital a little bit. And we have stuff in the future that we're looking at. And we just raised. I just got a two million dollar gift. Um, so I, I end up raising with my team of seven about about five and a half million dollars a year between public and corporate gifts. That's phenomenal. And do um, you see sp sponsors starting to come? You talked about seeing sponsors at, at sporting events and supporting there, but maybe they hadn't been supporting the arts. Do you see sponsors starting to support the arts more? I see them supporting health center theater in a significant way. We put on a, we, if, if you go, uh, here, here's the, here's the, the plug. You can, you can go to hct.org and you will see why, why what we present is, is different and compelling. And there's other incredible art out there. But what we are doing is as fun and innovative as, as anything that you'll find in the country from Vegas to New York. And that is that combined with content that is family friendly. So a, a business relationship can go and they don't have to worry if the person they're with, the, the couple that they're with is offended or, or put off in any way. And 
So it's, it's a safe bet and, and, and your team never loses. Uh, and it's a phenomenal, it's a, it's phenomenal production. Um, it's a beautiful facility. Um, if you haven't checked it out, you definitely need to, um, you're, this is a family business. You're in it for the long haul. Um, what do you feel like the future holds for you and the theater? Um, that's a, that's a challenging question right now. Again, I keep leaning on this COVID thing. We are, we're hard pressed right now. Um, and we have, that being said, we're in, we're in a far better position in terms of savings and community support than many other arts organizations are right now. The one thing that I wanted to say before I get to that is something that was, that was a difficult choice for us where we were stretched so thin on raising that money was to put money into an area where we could host things like this. And, and in the arts, it's generally, they'll, they'll put people out on the stage after a show, they'll use what little of a lobby they have. But I would, I would submit that if you invest in the concept that you can go out and build partnerships, that you actually can do that and you better darn well build a space where you can host people. So that's all I would say. So spend the extra money, it's, it's a good investment. In terms of what the future holds, uh, um, I, it's, it's, it's a never ending quell of creativity as more stories are created and we have the opportunity to, to put those on the stage and whether we, we create a story ourselves or we, we purchase a, a product from New York and pay, pay royalties on that. It's, uh, I live a charmed life. And when that was one of the big things that I learned at Flying J, as much as I loved working in that corporate, corp, corporate atmosphere and, and although I could have made more money uh, living in, in that world, uh, the fact that I get to play music with my family and that's just a, a, an extension of my life and see literally millions of people go through the theater with smiles on their faces and that I can go out and I get to sing a high G or a high A every once in a while on the stage and, and, and for just a moment, um, again, that, that root beer, that, that art that flows through my veins is is uh is satiated um and and so we'll take that forward and we'll continue to present theater that that utah can be proud of so in closing here um let's talk a little bit about covid and 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 how that's we're right in the thick of it today um we're recording this uh mid-april right now um but how, how is COVID affecting you right now? So two-part question. How is COVID affecting you right now? And how do you feel like you're going to pull through this? Because um, there's no performances going on right now. And that's how that, it needs that to survive. Yeah, nationwide, everything is shuttered. Uh, Broadway after 9-11 closed for one day. Um, the jazz, the NBA never canceled a game, uh, for any of that stuff. There may have been a postponement of a day or two. This is, all of us are in a new world. Um, I think that we have to trust in the partners that we have made these relationships with that everyone can be patient right now. Um, as, as we're all grappling out of this thing together. And how are, um, how are those sponsors and partnerships? How, how are they, how are they helping you right now? We've had several people who have actually paid early. Um, 
our 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 financial institution, our chief financial institution, got us uh, fully funded on the Paycheck Protection Program under the CARES Act uh, a, a few days ago. We are the first organization in all of the nation, literally, of a, of, a, of an arts organization, um, at least in Utah and across 80 major national theaters, to have been funded. Um, and, and so you received like, the fund. You re, you you've already received some of that stimulus SBA funding. 100% of it, the PPP. And awesome. you ask any of your buddies if they've received it and they haven't. Yeah. And it's because of, it's, it's again, because of relationships and yep. the way people believe in things. So what I'm saying with that is, is these people are, 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 we, we, I just got done with an hour and a half long executive committee meeting with, with the, with the executive board on the, on the, on the board of trustees and, and people are paying up front for next year's sponsors. They're, they're, they're meaning they're paying into 21 already and we're in the 20 season the way we wait the way we operate um they are uh they are because we're a 501c3 they're actually just giving us extra money in some cases those that can yeah um, and, and super generous have, it's 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 amazing to see we have had two two of those 203 groups that i mentioned that have asked for a pause button on on the partnership um, and then this, we've had six corporations that were ready to sign on into that group that needed to also press pause before they had full on, fully signed on to pledge as this all started breaking loose. But we stay in touch with them and their intention is, is to come on as soon as we find our way out of this haze. Yeah. Cause others are, others are struggling too, right? Not just you guys. And so yeah. that's awesome that those who can are helping to, to support the theater, but, um, we'll hope that we can get through this and get back on stage and, and get uh, we, pe people coming through again. We will get through this. Yeah, we will. We will. And I invite uh, all of you, wherever you're listening to this um, to, and this is just what everyone is saying, but get out to your restaurants again when we can gather and, and go to the movie and bring Lysol because those seats are schmucky, dirty, oily anyway. And they were before this thing happened as well. Uh, I mean, there, there's two sides to this. I, I think a lot of people will say, Hey, uh, you know, when we, when we come out of this, people are going to be hesitant to come out, you know, but then I actually believe that all this staying at home for forever and this isolation and quarantining will, I think people are thriving. They might, they might change their habits a little bit as, as they go out, maybe a little more OCD with, with how they, how they handle things out in public. Everything, but, that we, everything we made fun of three weeks ago, yeah. three, three months ago. But I think, I think it'll, I think people are thriving to get back out and I think people want to get back to the theater and people want to get back to their, their NBA and NHL and NFL, or NFL is not to the fall, but any, any sporting event really, and get back out to it, baseball and, uh, and just get back out and, and be the social animals that we are. And I actually, I, I, I believe that, um, you know, a lot of the goodness in the world that's, that's happening right now. And you just, you just named a bunch where you've got good people that are trying to help where they can and make connections and those relationships to help organizations like yourself to pull, pull out of this. I, I think it's the goodness of people that are going to, they're going to help us pull, pull through, through with this. And, um, but thanks for, thanks for sharing that, you know, just in wrapping up here, um, if you were listening to this podcast, you know, 20, 20 years ago before you did your capital campaign and 
and moving moving the theater to to Sandy and putting together your your foundational and sponsorship you know support there what would you you know what do you wish you knew then that you know now you know it's hard for me because so much of it is just a natural growth of a human over 20 years you you I would say drop some of the formality uh recognizing that that folks are folks and 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 after you have done everything that you can do in terms of the product that you want to offer people um one uh one make sure that the organization you're with is invested in you because i've spoken with a lot of a lot of people who offer sponsorships and partnerships and and the war on the other end uh my end of things there's a revolving door of people and as those doors revolve then you can't have those relationships with people but don't be afraid to to be friends with the people that you're working with and and to be vulnerable meaning it's okay to talk about what i think the vulnerable the vulnerability can be really attractive because the sponsor is going to see through all your bull crap no matter what uh and so talk about your strengths and your weaknesses and and figure out how you can amplify those strengths in a in a comfortable friendly casual way and but to understand that takes time as just a human being some yeah. people are in control but for me it took some time yeah well if you want to know more about the hell center theater you can go to uh, hct.org for those outside of utah come visit and when you're here you got to you've got to check out the theater for sure um thank you quinn appreciate you coming we got quinn executive director with hell center theater thank you rock on everybody Thank you for listening to the Sponsor Pod. Today's podcast was brought to you by Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Sponsor Pod. Before you go, I want to remind you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends through email, social media, or even by word of mouth. We appreciate all the support. Until next time, I'm Jason Smith, and you've been listening to The Sponsor Pod.